Who am I? A metaphor obviously uncomfortable with being the center of attention on this poem, backspace scratched out, written over a couple times before moving forward, staring out, bare, exposed, open to anyone who has an ear to hold my vulnerability close, a heart in process, discovering the more travel of a girl whose home is in the comfort of the one who saved her from herself who has this backbone to wind flowing wherever the seasonal changes take her planted, unwilling to uproot at the discomfort of this pause, silence, still, before the one who saved her, silent, still, who doesn't always have to use her voice to save her for actions, will always speak louder than any word reveals, like a simile for the words to reveal painted pictures of the reality she lives the age and used to transform her inward, still, aware, who likes time well spent with self but enjoys being around others with gold medals and communication skills texting is draining she i won't always respond call her just in case overwhelmed is holding her attention hostage strong friend learning how to be friend of understanding friend who doesn't always have to be strong friend letting people in letting people go learning how to part ways with disappointment learning how to love without conditions learning a student of life, of test, passed by those who came before her, who placed the study guide in front of her so she doesn't have to fail the same lessons over time, knowing wisdom is a far greater teacher than experience when she, I, doesn't have to experience what wisdom has already walked through. Light illuminates her path from a community of believers who surround her healing whole, becoming more than their previous experiences will box them into be shedding box, kicking box to curb, unlearning habits, unlearning who she, I, believed ourselves to be is replaced by the truth of who our creator is, holy. A way of being, not doing, set apart, separated. She is her brother's keeper, keeper, an example of someone to look up to, a child of a mother who taught her the meaning of fortitude, of showing up, of being present, to not strive, Sounds like a really bad joke. I mean this with all sincerity. She, I, holds herself hostage to the idea of being perfect, though she, I, will always fall short. Instead, finding rest and grace to not be so hard on self, to love self, to love whomever crosses her path. I be, she, I be too serious at times, unable to separate the two deep is a love language of hers, mine. I can talk for days or not talk at all. I can repeat to you what you said two years to the day, 10 to be exact, at a quarter past nine on March 28th. But I'll spare you the details because the future sounds better to focus on. We all evolve. We're all growing. She, I, will not hold you to the mistakes of your past and this poem will still fall short. And that's just the perfection in me talking and I will still recite it out loud open to anyone who has the ear to hold my vulnerability close. This heart, my heart in process, discovering the more a travel of a girl whose home is in the comfort of the one who saved her from herself. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to Naked and Exposed Season 4. It's only up from here.
What is up, guys? Welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing, as you guys heard, the poem, Who Am I? The question that is being asked in real time is, God, why are you so mindful of me? And who am I really? Like we have this history with God. We have journals and notes and an upbringing and an experience. And if we're alive and still breathing, it means that God's hand has been on our life. No, every decision that we have made that has ushered in the consequences, whether good or bad, haven't all been God's heart for us because we're born into sin and iniquity. But the reality of the matter is God is with us. God is in control and God is asking for us to be still so that he can fight for us. And many of us are standing at this crossroad between who we want to be and who God is calling us to be, who God predestined us to be. Because God's outside of time. Like he's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He already knows everything that's going to happen and nothing really catches him by surprise. But because we're here in this time for such a time as this, as we make the decisions, as we walk in obedience, as we are transformed on a daily basis, the next step is revealed. And one of the things I have learned over the last four and a half, five years of intentionally saying, God, I want to live my life for you is the secret sauce is transformation, but to break it down even more so it's radical obedience. In order to transform, you have to radically obey. You have to believe God is who he says he is. It's the difference between believing in God versus believing God. Like, do you believe God? his words, his nature, his character, his attributes. Like, do you believe God has a plan for your life? And are you willing to make the decisions on a daily basis to choose life and understand that we will fall short. We will make decisions that don't yield fruit of the spirit, that yield fruit of the flesh, as still stated in Galatians 5. Like the truth of the matter is, is, We'll fall short. We're human beings, but it's what we do with the falling short. Are we repenting and turning away from, or are we hiding ourselves like Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden, when God already knows what what we will do and, and, and what we have done? Like nothing catches him by surprise, but it's God's heart that none of us shall perish. And we're on this journey of discovering the more of who God has called us to be, peeling back the layers of hurt and pain. And, and a lot of you guys, it's like, well, what's my purpose? Like, what do you want me to do with my life, God? And God's just like, obey. Do the first thing I told you the first time and don't make me repeat myself. But many of us get caught up in this. How do I know it's God? How do I know I'm not making it up? Y'all, all you have to do is do the first thing that you feel in the moment and God will reveal the next step. And you have to follow the fruit of the flesh. I mean, excuse me, the fruit of the, the spirit, because we know, well, as you learn God's nature, you understand that he is a God of peace. So if God is calling you to do something, there is going to be an internal peace. There's going to be this knowing that God is providing. And even if it doesn't look like 
the fullness of what you envisioned because sometimes we can create scenarios and expectations in our mind that God never said in the first place. As God begins to peel back those, the disappointment from unexpressed, unmet expectations, we start to realize like, oh, this was your plan all along. And I, I like, I am irritated. And I went through some of these trials and tribulations because my perspective saw it differently. And it's like, on this journey of becoming, on this journey of being at the crossroad between who we are, who we think we are, and who God is calling us to be, it's are you willing to radically obey to actually step into what God wants? Because we know what God wants is best. What we want doesn't really matter because we were put here to be vessels. We were put here to be light. We were put here with a purpose and a plan, but that plan cannot be revealed if our character isn't transformed, if our character isn't refined, if we don't stay on the altar. The altar should be a permanent place of abiding because it's there that we become a fragrance that's pleasant to the Lord. It's there that God exposes the parts of us that can't go where we're going. And it's okay. It's uncomfortable. It's frustrating. But y'all, vulnerability is what you need. Because we have this negative view of vulnerability. We have this, we, we care too much about what people think. It's like you care what People think like the same people that are hurting and struggling and going through whatever they're going through. But the problem is you're coveting what they have because you think that their blessing didn't come with a cause. Everything comes with a cause, whether you're walking with God or not, it comes with a cause and you best believe you best to want to walk with God because at least walking with God gives you eternal hope in a future. Walking with the flesh and with the world and with the enemy sends you to a place that God never intended for you to go. It was never God's desire for you to perish. It was never God's desire for his creation, his children to go to a place that is far away from him. We look at hell and heaven as paradise in this place that's hot. And don't get me wrong because the characteristics are in the Bible. But you also have to look at it from the context that hell is eternal separation from Christ. That emptiness, that, that, that pain, that depression, that will be forever. But here in this moment, you have an option to decide to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and do what you have to do to walk it out with him on this side of heaven. And yes, it's going to come with struggle. Yes, it's going to come with trials and tribulations. But are you somebody who is willing to transform? Are you going to be clay? And be malleable, or are you going to get off the potter's wheel and dry out because you never came into full formation? Like, y'all will never be perfect. That's not the goal. But the goal is to be transformed. The goal is to look more like Christ on a daily basis. And I feel like at this point, the podcast might be a little redundant because I keep reiterating these things, but it's imperative that we know. It's imperative that we know God's voice. It's imperative that we do what God is telling us to do. All this other stuff doesn't matter. All this other stuff doesn't matter. Like the Bible talks about it in Matthew six, like he clothes you, he feeds the birds. Like we worry about things that are really irrelevant when if God in a famine and distress and turmoil and chaos could feed 
his children, his people, Elijah, for example, with birds that are scientifically known to be sporadic. If God could use that as a sign, what is God doing now? Because he's the same God. He's the same God. Like nothing about him has changed. He is the same today, tomorrow, and forevermore. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Like nothing about him has changed. What has changed is our ability to hear his voice. What has changed is that the generations over time are straying away from God, but it's not new. We see it all throughout scripture. God tells Joshua and Joshua four to collect the stones for the future generations to know what God did in these moments that we make altars of encounter. Are you documenting these moments? Are you creating altars of encounter? It's one thing to profess God. It's another thing to believe God is who he says he is. And if you believe God is who he says he is, and you want to live your life for God, and you want to walk in purpose and live an abundant life, and I'm not saying abundant in the like, oh, void of pain, because that's going to come. God says to rejoice when we're faced with trials of various kinds. It creates a steadfastness and endurance. He says struggle produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Because he knows what is to come and what we have to walk through by being in a world full of sin and iniquity. But he says, peace be still. He says, I am fighting for you. You need only to be still. It gets to a point where it's like, at what point are you just going to rest and allow God to be God? If you're having anxiety, it's because you're not able to see God in your future. If you're struggling with depression, it's because you're not able to see God with you now. But your future is already accounted for. Everything that God said will come to pass on your life. And yes, some things are conditional. Some prophetic words are conditional based off of the decisions that you make. But as long as you have breath in your body, you have the opportunity to partner with whatever God is doing. And the best thing that we want is what God wants for us. And may whatever we have to walk through, may we know God be better because of it. Are you willing to be vulnerable, to be seen, to be honest? Because he already knows. Are you willing to have the tough conversations with those that you love because community is important? Are you willing to radically obey? Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? Who am I? A metaphor, obviously uncomfortable with being the center of attention of this poem. Backspace scratched out, written over a couple times before moving forward, staring out bare, exposed, open to anyone who has an ear to hold my vulnerability close, a heart in progress, discovering the more a travel of a girl whose home is in the comfort of the one who saved her from herself, who has this backbone to wind flowing wherever the seasonal changes take her, planted, unwilling to uproot at the discomfort of this pause, silent, still, before the one who saved her silence, still, who doesn't have to use her voice to save her, for actions will always speak louder than any words reveal, like a simile for the words to reveal painted pictures of the reality we live, the agent used to transform our inward still. Who are you? Who are you? When somebody asks you the question, who are you? 
Do you see yourself as the labels and the titles and, and the functions? Or do you see yourself as a child of God? Knowing that whatever it is that God calls you to do in this season, in the next season, you'll do it with excellence. Because that is who God has called you to be. God's called you to show up. God's called you to endure. God's called you to rejoice during the struggles and the trials. God's called you to be still and know. God's telling you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God is telling you that inside of his will, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But do you believe God is who he says he is? Do you see him as a good father? Do you see him as a provider and a protector? One who defines your identity? Or do you just see yourself as the dysfunction, the pain, the functions that you may be able to do well because it's a talent? Or do you see yourself as a child of God who has an opportunity to reflect his glory on a daily basis, to show up in excellence and to do what's necessary. Y'all, I, I have been practicing and honing my skill now since I was 12. And about five years ago, God started to put pressure on me to pursue him, to seek him, to yield to what it is that he wanted me to become because of the purpose that he wrote for my life. And here I am telling God what I'm going to do. And God says, yeah, okay, you're either going to choose me or forge a path I never intended for you to go down. But it took radical obedience and reckless abandon. It took me, took me dying to this idea of me in order to follow a God. Many of us, of us choose not to believe one because we can't see, but yeah, we can't see air, but we believe we can breathe, like make it make sense. You feel me? And so it's like, it's been this journey. It hasn't been like cakes and roses and, and daffodils. It's been a process, but I can rejoice through it all. I can see God's hand in it all. I can have eternal joy, even in the seasons that I grieve, because I know that this is all for the transformation of the character inside of me, for me to be able to do the next thing God calls me to do without hesitation. It's all been practice. It's all been character development. It's all been submitting and yielding to the visions of other people in a season as God refined me in obscurity. And it's no different from you. I never understood why everybody was trying to be a leader in a season that they were called to follow. All great leaders must follow first. But so many of us are getting distracted by the callings of other people that are not ours. And then we, we, we covet what they have and get frustrated because it's not happening. Many of us are putting our hands to the plow and toiling and not seeing any return because it was never what God called you to do, but you put your eyes on somebody else's field and lost sight of what you were called to plant. Make it make sense. Please, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to encourage and yield to what God is saying so that you can surrender to the conviction and understand that you've been in purpose all this time because everything you've gone through at this point in the journey is a part of a testimony of overcoming. But you have to be willing to shift the perspective by putting on God's lens 
by being able to acknowledge that the decisions that you have made are not best. They, they don't align with scripture. They don't align with a perfect and holy and righteous God. And no, I'm not saying to perform. And I'm not saying to, to put all your, your effort and energy into works in which you produce in God's hand. But it was never about what God could do for Israel by showing them who he was in the signs, miracles, and wonders. It was always about the mountain encounter. It was always about God revealing his presence because it's in the presence of God things shift. It's in the presence of God. We have no choice but to look like him. And you get to decide. You get to decide the story that is told. When you get to heaven, do you want a well done? Or do you want to, you made it, but these are the other things I had intended for you. But you couldn't get out of your way, get out of your own head and submit and surrender to my will. Be encouraged, guys. It's a journey of becoming. You have to sacrifice your scars for public display so people don't feel alone. But the key there is scars because if you're still wounded, blood is just messy and you want to heal first and heal well. Because I am a believer that experience is a far, excuse me, wisdom is a far greater teacher than experience when I don't have to experience what wisdom has already walked through. Doesn't mean I'm not going to have my own life challenges that create wisdom in the experience, but some of the people, our family members, our friends, other people's testimonies are examples of what and what not to do. And there's no need in repeating the mistakes of those who have already gone through it. They went through it, so we didn't have to. Just like parts of your testimony, when you get to the place of radical obedience and reckless abandon, and you steward the voice of God and you steward the moments because you're willing to do the first thing God told you the first time, everything up until this point is a lesson that you can reach back to help people not have to go through what you went through. My prayer is that because I came to Christ early. I gave my life to him at 11, had a supernatural encounter that I can tangibly remember seven turning eight. You mean to tell me that when I gave God a fresh yes between the ages of 21, 2021 and 22, that I have an opportunity to help somebody younger than me encounter God sooner than I did. I have an opportunity to even be a vessel to those who are still struggling and they're older because wisdom knows no age. God is God and God can do whatever he wants using what is deemed foolish to the world to confound the wise who are actually the foolish ones. Who are you? You're standing at this crossroad between who you think you are and who God is calling you to be. And God is saying, pick up your cross and follow me. You decide.